Welcome to another episode of the Has Been Hoops podcast, uh, road of version. Um, I've literally, just to uh, paint a bit of a picture, I've literally landed in Melbourne. Um, Chris has picked me up from the airport. Um, we're doing this on the road. Um, there's going to be videos that are going to come out later of how we've actually done this, um, but we're literally doing it on the road right now. Um this podcast is brought to us by Hoop City, uh, and Chris just said, "When was the last time you did something for the first time?" Well, this is this is new for me, and I'm sure it's new for Chris. And <laughs> it's, not, it's not exactly carpool karaoke. We don't have set up cameras and speakers, and this could sound like shit. Could sound like shit, but I'm going to have a lot fun. of fun doing doing it. Um, what are we talking about? Were though? We got a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Draft NBA yes. draft. I think. Well, NBA in general, we should talk about because with the draft comes a lot of trades. Um, probably the biggest trade so far has been the Bradley Bill trade. Would you agree? No. I, I, well, I, I, I think the Paul Zingas to Boston, Marcus Smart uh, to Memphis may be just as big. I think people forget how good Porzingis was. He was average for a number of years. He found himself in Washington. He's the exact type of player that Boston needed, and they needed to get off one of their big three. There's a lot of talk about Jalen Brown, but clearly, you know, Marcus Smart hasn't been the player he has just this last 12 months. I think they did exactly what they did with uh, Isaiah Thomas. They traded him out when he still had currency. It's going to be really interesting to see what Marcus Smart's next couple of years look like. I was going to say Brad Stevens is definitely taking taking a Danny Ainge approach to, to all of this and uh, while Marcus Smart has been the heart and soul of this organisation similar to what Isaiah Thomas was the heart and soul uh, when he was playing for those two years I think this is an incredibly smart trade I, I think Boston have done it and they got draft picks back it, it's, the, Which, the way they've done that is incredible and yeah, time will tell what Marcus Smart's like. Time will tell if Porzingis can remain injury-free and be that third guy that, that the Celtics need. Um, but the interesting part, and it's the one I'm fascinated to talk about even more, is you've as you know, you've been and you no longer are a, a scout for the Washington Wizards when Tommy Shepard left the franchise. You know, you left the franchise as well. So when they gave up Bradley Beal for nothing, when they traded away, they made a few moves and we messed we, – message saying, look, what are they doing? They've almost redeemed themselves a little bit. It's sort of starting to make sense as to what their plan is now. Yeah, they're jumping on a lot of expiring contracts. Um, I think what they've done to flip Chris Paul into Jordan Poole, I think, is a win-win for both organisations, being the Warriors and and the Wizards. Um, they've done what probably they needed to do at the end of the day. And the only thing that I'd say is I wish they'd done it a year earlier to give them a right. chance to get Webanyama. Well, they got Koulibaly, who clearly was Webanyama's teammate, but in speaking to a number of people that I know in the NBA, they were so high on him and they traded up to get him. So what they've gone and done, the, the point guard that they traded for from Memphis names escaping, and Tyus Jones, Jones. Um, this is how well we're doing this. We're getting phone calls in the middle of the podcast. So Tyus Jones I really, really like as a guard. 
Jordan Poole, no one can argue his talent. You know, he had to go from the, the Warriors. Either him or Draymond Green had to go. It, it might end up. This might be the reason Draymond stays. But you know what? From the minute they won the championship and the first thing out of his mouth was, I'm going to get the bag, you just saw where his priorities laid. And then they get Koulibaly. So they've got a pretty decent uh, spine of a team that they want to be bad for a year, but they've got some good young talent in there. Interesting if you're a, uh, a punting man. Jordan Poole for most improved next year with the fact that he's probably going to get probably 25 shots a game. Yeah, he's going to shoot a lot, isn't he? He's going to shoot a lot. I'd, I'd, I'd say that he'd go close to being most improved. The interesting piece with the Wizards is what they do with Kuzma. If they, well, if they a, sign him to a... Ironically, he fits that as a starting foreman. He's still in his 20s. That long-rangey, talented, yeah. you know, with a genuine point guard. I, he fits. I know there's talk about him just going, but why wouldn't you keep him? I mean, him, uh, Denny Ardbier, uh, Corey Kispert, Jordan Poole, Tyus Jones. I, I, they, I don't hate it. They, they, uh, and and uh, Gafford as well. It's not the worst roster in the NBA, and, and they've got and they've jumped on a few of the expiring. The Landry Shamet contract is an expiring one. Um, I, I saw. I, I love what they've done so far. Um, what do you think Marcus Smart brings to Memphis? Now, if anyone brings the grit and grind mentality, yeah, and know. with Jar Morant out for the yeah, first 25 I, games. I, I think that's such an overrated thing with Marcus Smart. I don't see it. They've used that for a long time, that grit and grind with him, and he was a defensive player of the year. I mean, he's not a point guard. He doesn't shoot it well enough to be a two. He's a tweener. He's got championship experience. He brings that. He, to me, that's it. He, he brings... Someone who's still got years of basketball left has, when I say, sorry, not championship experience, he has playoff experience. Uh, you know what? I like Tyus Jones better than Marcus Smart, especially what they're paying him. I, I was surprised they gave him up, but that's what they wanted. Again, I, I tend to think that this one for Memphis getting Marcus Smart in is going to, I don't think it's going to bear the fruit they probably expect it to or hope it does. Let's jump over to the other big trade, the, the second biggest trade, as you yeah. would call it, the well, Bradley Bill for Chris Paul. I, that's an, I, I don't get it. I mean, I, I don't get Bradley Bill with the Suns. And, and the best way I can align it when I spent some time is they're trying to replicate the Kevin Durant Warriors that won the championships where they have Durant as your number one or two guy. So you've got Durant as Durant. You've got... Booker as Curry, and now you're bringing in Beal as Thompson, and then you put pieces around that. What they don't have is that continuity of time together, that the experience together. I, I think that's the model. I think they've paid a hell of a lot of money for it. But, I mean, the talent alone, they'll be hard to beat on any given night, but I think you'll find, I think teams will find ways to take things away from I expect Aiton to go, and it's going to be really important to see what they do with the role-playing pieces that they trade for Aiton when they get around to doing that? I don't think they're going to get rid of Aiton. Yeah, I, I think they will. I, I, and the reason I say that is 
the more you listen to what's going on around, the more other teams aren't that interested in getting Aiton. That's and what so, they're saying. So, I, I don't know. I just don't say what what I think they need is a quality point guard to distribute the ball to someone, which they currently. See, I, I always thought that the Phoenix Suns were better with Devin Booker running the point than Chris Paul. I was one of them. And so I think that Devin Booker goes and becomes Steph Curry as a point guard, a scoring point guard who can play off the ball quite willingly. Kevin Durant's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Brad Bill can do the same thing. I think you need someone off the bench to come in and maybe play 10 or 15 minutes, but that's it. You don't want to overpay for that. The interesting thing was when we see these super teams with the three all-stars, the third person always suffers the most. Bradley Beal's game is going to suffer the most. However, I don't necessarily look at him as an all-star to begin with. I agree. Uh, what he has done in Washington in the past is be able to make plays with the ball. But when you've got a team that already has a Booker and a Durant in it, you're not afforded that luxury of being a playmaker. He's They're paying him a lot of money to be a good spot-up three-point shooter which he hasn't been a very good spot-up three-point shooter in the last couple of seasons. He's going to be Phoenix Suns' Tobias Harris. I, I, I just... But with the ability... With the ability to do more and create more than Tobias... I mean, everybody talks about... You know, when if one of the guys is injured, we've still got two, but you've got to look at lineups you're going to put on the floor when you want to win a championship. And you've got to, have, you've got to be able to play those three together. And in that role... He's not going to be playmaking a lot. Interesting side note, Tobias Harris. There was a thing that came out in Bleacher Report today about his dad saying, you know, Philly aren't using him well. Um, I met his dad before when I was at LMU. Right. Dude is crazy as batshit. Like, next level delusional on how good his sons are. He was... He, if he got more media coverage, he'd be the LeVar ball. <laughs> I was just thinking, yeah. Like, right. d- absolutely delusional. Um, just, just on that same trait, Chris Paul at the Warriors I, stumps me a little bit as well. There's a lot of moves that haven't made a lot of sense in my head, and I'll, I'll put an asterisk next to all of my opinions for now is that I haven't spent enough time understanding the CBA you know, the tax aprons and all that kind of thing. And I know there are moves being made to get in before them and to be prepared for them, but... Can I ask you this question? Of course. Do you think Draymond Green stays at the Warriors? Yeah, I do. I, I, I don't think they break them up. I think... Here's, mo- here's why I think they got Chris Paul. Because they're expecting Draymond to leave. Oh, see, and, I, I think they the got rid of J- Jordan Poole so Draymond stays. But I'll, I'll add this... You look at the way that the Warriors' offense is ran, they leave Draymond at the top of the key and let Curry and Clay run around to get... And teams basically play in that drop sort of defense, allowing Draymond. Now, if you put Chris Paul in that same position, you can't afford to play in a drop position because he can knock down the shot. Even more so, his best... Asset is probably that mid-range so, game and making a play. I think if teams are going to spend that much more time on Steph and Clay trying to finish, stop them, Chris Paul is a lot more dangerous offensively in that yeah. position. 
Now, obviously, defensively, it's a whole different kettle of fish at the end of the day. But I think this is an insurance policy in the case that Draymond is to leave the Warriors. It seems like it would have been an easier way to do it if, if you know, if Draymond's on the Suns list, he could have traded them for each other. Possibly. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Vic Wimbanyama. Everyone spoke about him. How cool was it to see the photo of him going out to dinner with Tim Duncan, Dave Robinson, Manu Ginobili? I just thought... Sean Elliott. Sean Elliott. I just thought that was... Class. That's the Spurs. That's class. That's culture. That's... That's all I'm going to say about that. He's he's in the right spot. He's going to all the commentary you you probably saw. Or a lot of people who listen to this would have heard Tim Duck Tim Duncan's Hall of Fame induction speech, and he spoke about you know Duncan's dad saying to Popovich, "You make sure he's the same man when he comes out of this club as what he was when he came in." You're starting to see how that works already with the more social media than when Duncan got there, but. You're starting to see how that works in San Antonio. I love it. Oh, I haven't seen something like that in the NBA for a long, long time. And that was, I, I was on the flight. And I got the little notification that you'd posted something. And when I saw the photo, I was like, that is bloody good by the Spurs. And we all know what Vic is going to be at the end of the day. He's going to be an exceptional talent. Uh, and it looks like he's landed in the exact spot that he needed to land at the time. I agree. Um, now, uh, let's, not, let's not pick the draft apart, but um, I'll tell you what, I'm really popular today with the phone calls okay. coming in. Um, the interesting part overall when you look at the draft, four out of the – a decade ago, you had to go to college to make the NBA. Yeah. Um, four of the top five and five of the top seven draft picks this year did not go to college. Mm-hmm. Three years ago, the NBL told everyone that they were the next stars program was as good a pathway as any to get to the NBA. Ryan Rupair dropped in everyone's estimations from a near lottery pick or certainly late first round all the way down to 40. Uh, Mojave King, who, when he was in the NBL, couldn't even get a sniff but had to go to the G League to get drafted. My overriding thing is this, is that it's not college, it's not the Next Stars program, it's not the G League, it's the player. The player, if they're good enough, can play anywhere. I'll tell you what, if based on this year's, if I'm a young I'd go to France. I mean, it's... I just think players need to make choices that are best for them, not follow who's gone in front of them, make a life decision, make a basketball decision. One thing I would say is that there's a lot of bigs who play college who don't get drafted. The best bigs in college still get pigeonholed and they're not allowed to grow their game outside. You know, can you imagine Timmy, what's his name, plays for Gonzaga? Drew, Drew Timmy. One of the best players in college basketball this year who was pigeonholed into a big man back to the basket role. Didn't get drafted, may end up in the NBA, but even if he does... He'll go to Europe. He'll do that. College, as if you're a big... I'd be going to Europe, I'd be coming to Australia, I'd be going somewhere where bigs are allowed to shoot it from the perimeter. They're allowed to develop their entire skill set. They're not pigeonholed into rim-running, rim-protecting, post-up players. Yep. Um, just we haven't seen a good one in a long time. I, I, uh, I listened to a couple of different podcasts and I listened to uh, Webin Yana talk to JJ Reddick on the old I did enjoy three. that. That was really good. And... 
it was interesting listening to him talk about uh, why Metro, why he went to the team in France, and essentially they allowed him to be him and was allowed to be put in a position where, as you know, in Europe, uh, coaches get fired if they play young players, big minutes, and put a lot of responsibility on them. Uh, Obviously, we saw with Luka Doncic, great responsibility, massive club in Europe. Uh, The NBA probably hadn't quite gotten on exactly what he was doing at that time for his age, but pretty well documented in the aftermath. Uh, Vic, for what he was doing, led the French League in points, rebounds, block shots. Uh, Not easy to do, but obviously very, very talented. I think what I'm trying to get to at the end of the day is you talk about the players, and I've always said this to a lot of the young kids, it's all horses for courses. College may be the best thing for you, for one individual, but not be the best for another. Couldn't agree more. The NBL Next Stars might be the best pathway for some, but for as many success stories that we have, uh, I think we've seen a few that haven't panned out as well. You, you know, it's a question I got a long time ago was, would you do anything different if you went to the NBA? And there's one, absolute one thing I'd do differently, and I tried to do it at the end when I brought John Dorge over, but everyone has their own coach, their, their own person in their own corner. Um, you know, Dirk had Holger, Bogut had his coach, you know, everyone who goes, Luca's got his guy. The one thing, that the piece of advice I would give young, talented players if they need that year before they get to the NBA is go somewhere where your coach can go with you. So stay in your home country. You know, you can still work with your own coach without having them have to uproot everything and go travel around the world. If you're French, stay in France. If you're German, stay in Germany. If you're Australian, stay in Australia. If you're American and you don't want to travel but you've got your own coach, go to the G League. But if you don't have that network and you don't have that one person, do whatever you want, but stay at home. I agree. Um, Talking about good news stories, we'll go to not so good news stories. Okay. Zion. Zion, Mariah Mills. So what was the tweet I saw today? Mariah Mills has tweeted about Zion 170 times and Zion has only played 130 games. <laughs> um, and she got his name tattooed on his face the other day. On her face? On her face. Well, that's, that's enough said about someone like that. <laughs> the only thing that I find laughable about this... <laughs> I don't know how far I can take this, but um, the thing I find laughable about this is her trying to blackball the NBA or extort the NBA by saying, I'll release videos. I don't know if that works if you're a porn star. I was going to say, you know what? Hand on heart, I see stories like this and I choose not to read them. I couldn't tell you the details. Just... Oh. There you have Is it. Is that enough? Yep. Yeah, Let's good. move to the NBL. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, Jonah Bolden is back yeah, playing, playing basketball. Yeah, crypto crashed. Crypto crash. You left basketball to invest in crypto. Yeah. Not doing so, it's not doing well now, is it? I, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's 
it's good that he's back. It's, it's, the, the, the Kings do a great job um, with attracting sure talent. Um, and, you know, Jonah's a big one. Alex Tui is bigger. Alex Tui is our best kid at the moment. Yeah, we, we've mentioned uh, Taron Armstrong. We've mentioned but Alex Tui is, you know. The, the number one kid. I think so. Yeah. Um, given the fact we thought he was going to Gonzaga, we didn't really rate him or put him on our lists with the other guys. But, um, you know, seeing him play for the Boomers against decent opposition, geez, he moves well. He's got a high IQ. He's a great athlete, shoots it well. Um, Robbie McKinlay up at the Centre of Excellence, who we, we all love, um, yeah, speaks so highly of the kid. I, I just think that whatever the Kings have done, whatever Liam Santa Maria has done in his new role as head of that Next Stars program, again, go back to my last comment about keeping local kids around their network. That's a massive get for the Kings. That's a massive get for the NBL. Alex Tui will be an NBA player. When you lose someone like the calibre of Xavier Cooks from your organisation, I don't think they could have hoped for a better recruiting from the Kings with DJ Hogue, yep. getting Jonah Bolden back, and getting Alex yeah, Tui. Well, I agree. And again, they it, it speaks to the ownership group as much as anything, and it speaks to their connections back to the United States. It's a lot of clubs will sell the opportunity to improve, the opportunity to take the next step. The Kings have proven it time and time again, both as a player and as a coach. Do you think the Kings and New Zealand have probably provided the best pathway, that that NBA pathway that the NBL is just craving to be recognised for? Do you think those two have been the two clubs that have taken use of not only the Next Star program but the platform that is the NBL now to create that pathway? No, no. I, I think New Zealand fell into it and they, they signed a lot of Obviously Next Melbourne Star, United had Delhi Melbourne United and I, I was going to go with and I would feel reasonably confident in saying that if Ariel Huckporty hadn't have snapped his Achilles he'd be in the, in the NBA now too. So I agree. I I think the teams, I was of the opinion when the Next Stars program started that you couldn't bring in a high-level Next Star and aspire to win a championship. Um, you know, a guy who needs to start and play 25, 30 minutes a game as a 19-year-old is very rarely going to help you win a championship. So, look, oh, I, I still... Oh, yeah, those three have been great. I still love what the Taipans do with their assessment of talent. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't afford to keep it, but their assessment, their evaluation, their development of talent, I think is as good as anyone in the NBL has been for a long time and has been under a number of coaches. Um, they do it well up there. I agree. Um, thoughts on the Jack Jumpers? Imports. I, I like them. I, I like what they're putting together without doing a whole bunch of research. They needed that top-end talent. Um, I think one thing the Jack Jumpers have got, and we mentioned the Spurs, and, by, and no way, and I'm no way comparing them to the San Antonio Spurs, but I think they absolutely know what their culture is. Yep. And anyone, and, and the challenge now becomes to bring in talented players to buy into that culture, not only or exclusively players 
with a chip on their shoulder who have been told they're not good enough at another club. So if you can start instilling that culture into more talented players, yeah, I, I, I like what they're doing. I, I love uh, Marcus Lee in that position, especially like when that uh, Will Magnay has been injury-prone, um, gives them a... Marcus Lee really was the catalyst for Melbourne United turning their season around and almost getting them a finals berth last year. Um, not only with his, his... He's what you want out of a big import at the end of the day. Someone who can protect the rim, can rebound, can change shots and runs the floor and dunks. Yeah, he doesn't need plays run for him. And, and with the talent around him, I thought he was a perfect fit. Yeah. As a, as a second or third option on a team. And if he's the third option in Tasmania, that's great. Having said that, anyone in that position could have saved Melbourne United after what they had to start the season. Um, I kind of remember his name. Jordan Caroline. The linebacker. It wasn't, it wasn't so much Marcus Lee saving the season. It was Jordan Caroline killing it. I think Marcus Lee resuscitated it yeah. and then breathed the air into it, but that could have been anyone, let's be honest. And the, the guard that they've pulled, uh, the leading scorer from Turkey, is going to be the second tallest player ever to play in the NBL. Um, if you're that height and to have the level of success, you know that he's going to have a whole bunch of tricks up his sleeve. What would be interesting is... Second tallest or second smallest? Smallest, sorry. Yeah, right. Um the first two seasons of Jack Jumpers have been Josh Majette as a facilitator. Yep. I think that helped Mel- Milton Doyle next year. Now, if you're going to have a scoring point guard, what does that look like next to a Milton Doyle? I know well, Milton Doyle is a low-maintenance guy at the end of the day, where, but, yeah, it's you, going to be an interesting you, blend You there. know what? The, it's funny. I haven't done a lot of homework. What's his name? The point guard? Uh, Crawford, I believe. Yeah, I think that... But, I watched enough, and when I say enough, you know, the four or five-minute highlight package that the NBL puts out and and various people put out. Oh, he sits on the ball, and every single highlight's after five, six, seven dribbles. Yeah. That's concerning. You know, I've been around a while that I know you don't give up highlights of catch-and-shoot stuff, but you kind of hope he's he's willing to move the ball and he's willing to defend as well if if he's that ISO that all of his highlights come off multiple dribbles and he's... Oh, interesting. Asia Cup. I'm going, yep, up to Sydney tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this on a Sunday. I'm up to watch the games Monday, possibly Tuesday night. It's uh, it's an interesting one. It's um, new faces in the team and I know you've got one that you're keeping your eye on. I got to see a fair bit of Chantel Horvath um, she was teammate of my daughter Izzy um, over at UCLA. Had a season uh, over in Europe with Alana Smith, and he's back here living in Australia. He's been playing for Geelong. Um, fascinated to see how she goes as an Opal. Um, fascinated to see what she does in the WNBL. And I suppose it's, it's interesting when it's, I'll be fascinated to see how this goes with, with Izzy as well. But the resources and the facilities, let's just use UCLA, that are provided to the girls over there, private tra- private planes, beautiful hotels, the accommodation, the, the food, everything you could possibly want. 
it's not the same here. So it's a, there's a level of adaptation that comes from playing for the Opals, playing NBL one and playing WNBL. So there's always a little level of concern that young players who go to great programs. I saw with Nate Tomlinson coming out of Colorado, how much he loved the collegiate experience that we couldn't give him that at the Melbourne Tigers. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that goes. But she's had a bunch of injuries over her last five or six years. I hope she's healthy and fascinated to see how she goes. Who are you looking forward to seeing? Uh, Alice Cooney. I think uh, quite overlooked at times. Uh, was pigeonholed into the 3x3 for a good period of time. It's been putting up great numbers in Europe for a long period of time now and uh, finally getting her chance in in the Opals team. Um Look forward to seeing what she brings to the table at the end of the day. I think she brings a whole bunch of versatility. Um, and I think she'll just relish the opportunity. Where I think individuals that probably get looked over time and time again when they finally break into it, they tend to make the most of those opportunities. And uh, I'd expect AK to do no different at the end of the day. So AK will be the one, but obviously... You'll be there, May. I'm, I'm obviously wishing the girls all the best as uh, they get the Asia Cup underway. Um, do you want to do your WNBA, yeah. WNBA power rankings? Yeah, I do. It's been something that I, I did it with the NBA, and um, I wanted to make sure I continued doing this. Um, Izzy McBeg has been incredible. Seattle aren't going great. They've got the three Aussies, so Izzy's taken her game to another level. Um, she's high minutes on the team, double points and rebounds almost nightly. Um, team's not winning a lot, but she's established herself at such a young age as someone who's going to be in the WNBA and probably in Europe or the, you know, she may or may not come back to the WNBL. There's rumour that she won't. She may go and take money in Europe this year, which would be disappointing for the WNBL, but she's been incredible. Clearly the best performed uh, Aussie in the WNBA. Elena Smith has been great at Chicago. Uh, for someone who is still wanting to break back into that Opal squad, and you know, I can only assume the only the, re- the only reason she wasn't picked most recently was unavailability. Um, she's been great. Uh, Christy Wallace, I was actually watching this morning before we came uh, at Indiana, playing great. She's put on a bit of size, uh, looks strong, looks like she's playing fantastic. Uh, again, those three teams aren't doing very well. Beck Allen, you know, I probably watched closest given that I spent a little bit of time with her while she's here in town. Um, the Connecticut Sun, you know, the, you know, if you asked her, I think she'd honestly say that being traded for the New York Liberty to Connecticut, she was unsure of what the living arrangements, what Connecticut was going to be like, the quality of the team. Uh, they're 10-3, and three, second best record in the WNBA, and she's on any given night plays 20 or 30 minutes. There are other nights she doesn't play a lot, but she's been really, really good at both ends. Uh, Sammy Wickham, limited opportunity. Kayla George, very, very limited. And Jade Melbourne in her, the the game she plays, she's proving she belongs. Uh, I can't imagine Settle would be disappointed with her. But uh, again, to have those seven girls in the WNBA and to be able to follow, sit back and watch uh, as often as we do is great. But um, if you get a chance, tune in if you're listening. Tune in and watch Izzy. Tune in and watch Alana Smith, any of the girls, and uh, 
if you watch most of them, just have a look at those Seattle. And yeah, look at the Seattle Storm. And uh, speaking of Seattle, I was actually I went up to Albury to do a talk and caught up with our mate Lauren Jackson and mm-hmm. had a couple of glasses of red wine with her. And she'd just spent forty eight hours over in Seattle uh, for Sue Bird's retirement. For Sue Bird's retirement. Uh, even hearing what she says about the club, the way they treat the girls, what she'll tell you is one of the best 48 hours she's had. She'll tell you that her kids made sure she didn't get home early, which is incredible parenting. Yeah. Um, but I think any time you see Seattle, you think of Lauren Jackson. You, you, I'm sure that those three girls over there are enjoying their experience. Um, the Hoop City raise your game. Uh, oh, here we go. This is going to be the first ever two-time winner. Oh, you better tell me because I've put no thought into this one this time. Yeah. The Hoop City Raise Your Game is clearly me again because not only did you pick me up from the airport with beers, (laughs) uh, as I picked you up from the airport in Perth with beers, you picked me up with beers and a podcast. So (laughs) (laughs) clearly I need to raise my game. So I'm just going to go into one of the Hoop Cities while I'm here uh, and lift because uh, this has been incredible so far. You know what I'm going to get you to do? I thought you were going to give it to yourself for getting your old man calf injury a couple of weeks ago in NBL1 and (laughs) having to raise your game in the weight room, but... I'm actually. I'm going to take you down to the Cheltenham. They've got the Hall of Fame down there that's reserved for Boomers, Opals, um, and NBA players. So there's a spot on there for you that uh, will get you down in the next few days. Make sure you sign that alongside um, some pretty good names. I'd be happy to. Um, Chris, this podcast is uh, proudly brought to you by your NBA tours. <laughs> Visit chrisanstey.com.au forward slash tours or Anstey Tours on Instagram. Um, if you oh, if you're you, listening you to it, you can't us, even say a good word about these tours, can you? If you're listening to it, you know how good these bloody tours are. This this is inner sanctum stuff. Uh, a little lift the, behind the uh, the curtain of what you know getting what? into places that you wouldn't be able to regularly get into. And there, and there are still spots left, and I, I reckon what's going to happen, what we're going to do. Haven't actually advertised this yet. We're going to, uh, when the NBA schedule comes out in August, um, we'll put it out. And we're going to give everybody two more weeks once they've seen the schedule. So everyone that's locked in stays locked in. Uh, if we don't sell out before then, we're going to give it until the end of August. So the schedule comes out on about the 17th. Uh, the guru, Mark Sainsbury, and I will put the itinerary together in the, in the 48 hours after that. And you know, it's interesting with everything that's going on in the world right now, people want a little bit of comfort in what they're they're actually signing up for. So we'll get that done before the 20th of August. We'll have the itinerary online. We'll go out, we'll fill those final few spots and uh, we'll take a group of about 30 Aussies over to the NBA and have as much fun, I think, as what we did last year. No doubt. Well, this has been a thing, a new thing. This is a thing. But uh, but this has definitely made this trip go a lot quicker than what it usually does. Um, but thank you all for listening once again. I hope the uh, the quality of this uh, audio isn't shit, but like I said, we are in a car driving. <laughs> <laughs> so it is what it is. But uh, Chris, looking forward to our next interview as well. That one's coming up soon. Stay tuned for that one, but we'll chat to everyone soon. Thanks.